This is an ABC podcast. Now, thanks to that wonderful invention of the lift or the elevator, buildings taller than seven storeys became usable. And tall buildings then kick-started some of the advantages of city living. Rapid mixing of people's cultures and concepts. More efficient use of energy. Innovations. And ultimately, increased economic output. Yet even in the land of elevators, progress is still upwards. Going up. The latest innovation is destination dispatching. This is where, instead of choosing your own adventure, you have to choose your destination floor before the lift will let you enter. Doors open. It was Archimedes, the Greek thinker and scientific innovator, who invented the first recorded lift sometime around 230 BC. His lift was hoisted by either humans or animals, who lifted the cabin with a rope made of hemp. Three centuries later, the Colosseum in Rome had some 25 elevators specifically for moving animals. Each lift was powered by eight men and could carry 270 kilograms, the weight of two lions, through a vertical height of seven metres. By the 1600s, primitive lifts had been installed in a few of the palaces of England and France. But in general, lifts were very uncommon. This meant that in apartment buildings, the wealthier people lived on the easy access lower floors, while the starving artists lived on the higher floors. Possibly the major change to lift life came with the invention of the safety elevator in 1852. Elisha Otis invented a brake system which would stop the cabin from falling if the cable broke. He demonstrated it dramatically at the New York Exposition in 1854. He would stand on his platform held up by cables and his assistant would cut the cables with an axe. The safety brake would kick in, and he was still safe and bowing to applause from the audience. In a modern passenger elevator, each single cable has to be able to carry the full rated load of the elevator, plus a safety margin of another 25%. And it's not just one cable. There are six or eight of them. The safety mechanism kicks in if the elevator is descending at 25% faster than its maximum design speed. And just as an aside, the current world record for the world's fastest elevator is around 73.8 kilometres per hour in the Shanghai Tower in China. The modern elevator is incredibly safe and busy. The oldest and biggest elevator company, the Otis Elevator Company, claims that they carry the population of the world every five days. Even so, in the USA, some two dozen people die each year in elevators, most of them being maintenance people. 
So why change anything? Well, the recent move to destination dispatching aims to shift more people per hour. Some of the earliest mathematical papers on understanding and so improving the efficiency of passenger movements in elevators came out in the early 1900s. There are two major measures involved. The first one is called the handling capacity. It's what percentage of the building's total population that the elevators can carry in five minutes. In real life, 13% seems to be fine. The other measure is the interval, which is defined as the average time for a single elevator to go from the bottom to the top and back again, divided by the number of elevators. Apparently, busy people in office blocks get upset when they have to wait more than 30 seconds. The latest plan is actually a reinvention of how things used to be in the early days of elevators. Back then, there would be an operator, usually female, inside each elevator car. And there'd be a single dispatcher, usually male, in the lobby. He would inquire as to people's destination and then dispatch them to a lift. But around the 1950s, lifts became automatic and people would press buttons by themselves. Please mind the door. While people felt that they had more control, the number of people shifted per hour dropped a little. Doors so now we've come full circle. With destination dispatching, you go to a control panel and enter your floor number. Little dedicated computers do their thing and you, the parcel, are dispatched to the elevator which will then take you into the sky. On one hand, you might wait a little longer for the lift to come. But the actual trip is shorter. And psychologically, waiting is more bearable because at least you have progressed part of the journey and you know which elevator car will be yours. However, once inside, you have virtually no control. Did you know that in most elevators, the door close button is usually not connected to anything. It's just symbolic. And if you change your mind about where you want to go, tough. You have to complete your trip, exit the elevator and start again. For me, the whole process is slightly unnerving. Am I really stuck in the queue of life without control? I do enjoy having a button to push, but sometimes it feels a little like the elevator is pushing mine. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.